Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. We welcome you today. We do. Well, I like to start with something funny, and today I'm going old school. I'm going to tell you a little thing I used to tell when I would travel and speak. You ready? Here we go. There were two antennas that met each other on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The wedding wasn't much, but the reception was amazing. Come on. Come on. Some of you like that one. I, I... So why don't you stand and get your spiritual antenna ready to go because God wants to speak to you and I as we talk about shifts, standing strong for God when culture shifts away from Him. Let's read our theme verse together, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to honor the reading of God's Word. All of you online, if you want to stand, you can do it. We're going to read this passage together for the next four weeks. I want you to memorize it, get it in your heart. Here we go. Ready? Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Isn't it good to know that when life begins to shift, when culture begins to shift, that we can stand strong, we can stand firm. And the only way that's going to happen is if we build our life Jesus Christ and his truth. So we're going to talk about that. I want you to close your eyes. Lord, we know culture is shifting. We know that this culture we live in is moving away from you and away from the truth. So Lord, teach us, show us how we can stand firm. We can put our trust in you as the world shifts. Lord, we will not shift in Jesus' mighty name. Can I hear somebody shout? Amen. You may be seated. Man, such a good spirit in the house today. So how do we stand strong when culture is shifting? How do we live godly lives in an everly ungodly, increasing ungodly culture that's shifting away from God and his word? Well, the only way is to build our life on the truth, on Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So we're going to do it by going through some passages and, and part of the book of Daniel. Now, let me tell you, um, the Old Testament was, is, is not a chronological um, book, but it's actually got different sections. It's got a historical section. It's got a, a poetry section, Psalms and Proverbs. It, um, it's also got a prophecy section, major and minor prophets. Daniel is one of those books in the prophet section, but when you read it, it reads like a story. And what's interesting is that we have this story set in prophetic um, part of the Bible. And I think the reason it's there is because when we read the story, we realize it's not just history, but it's prophecy for future cultures on how that we can stand strong when we're put in a, sh a culture that's shifting. And so we're going to learn about Daniel. Daniel um, was a, a young man who was brought into another culture, a culture that shifted away from his godly heritage. And we see that how he influenced that culture, how he stood strong in the midst of that culture. How many would agree with me that it feels like in the last five to ten years, culture has gone exponentially faster and shifted faster than we've seen in years? 
So how do we as a church stand strong, stand on God's truth in the midst of shifting culture? Well, we're going to take a look at Daniel and we're going to learn how to do that. Now, what happened was king of Babylon, Babylon was a nation, um, present day Iraq, they went and they conquered Judah, one of the nations of Israel. um, Israel was in two nations, the southern and the northern nation. They conquered Judah and they took a bunch of the people from Judah. In fact, the Bible says that God told the people of God, if you guys shift away from my word, you're going to go into captivity. You're going to be taken to places you never thought you would be. You're not going to live in freedom. And that's what happened. And so these young men were taken to Babylon. This is where we're going to pick up on our story. Let's go to Daniel. We're going to work through Daniel for the next four weeks. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 says, Then the king, the king of Babylon, ordered Ashpenaz. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ashpenaz in the future. He was the chief of staff for the king. So the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Let me stop there for a second. He says, we're going to pick some good men, some men from noble families, some intelligent men, some handsome men. We're going to pick some young influencers, and we're going to bring them into Babylon, into the court of the king. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. It's interesting because basically what they say, let's keep going to the next slide. Guys, if you'll bring that up. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would um, enter the royal service. In other words, here's what they said. We're going to indoctrinate some people into a different culture than the godly Jewish culture they grew up in. Now, if you read the story of Daniel, you're going to see that they face this pressure. And I want to tell you that the the culture has an agenda. The, The enemy is behind the driving culture. And I believe the enemy of your soul and mine through culture has an agenda. And what I want to do today for the first of this series is I want to unveil, I want to pull back the curtain on what the devil's agenda is I want to pull back the curtain on what culture's agenda is. You all with me? Say amen. So here's point number one. I want to encourage you to take notes during this series. You can go to the YouVersion app and look up Higher Vision, and it'll all be there. You can go to our app. You can follow along there and take notes. You can do it on your phones. If you don't have a phone, grab a pen right on the arm of the person next to you. Make sure you take some notes. All right. Culture has an agenda. Here's the first agenda. Write it down. Culture wants to change your identity. Culture wants to change your identity. You say, well, Pastor Jerry, where do you get that? From the book of Daniel. Well, let's go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. So they bring them in, these people from the Jewish nation of Israel. They bring them into the king's court and say, we're going to indoctrinate them. We're going to change them. And then not only are we going to change kind of what they do and what they learn and what they speak, but we're going to change their name. Look, Daniel, Hananiah, Bishael, and Azariah were, the four, were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. He said, I'm going to give you a new name. I know this is the name that God gave you. I know this is the, and we know in the Bible that biblical names have significance. I know you have a Bible name, but I'm going to rename you. I'm going to change your identity. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. How many of you remember Shadrach? Mishael was called Meshach. 
And Azariah was called Abednego. I used to joke around and say that is to bed we go. I don't know. It's so, um, how many of you heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So basically, he gives them three new names. I want to tell you, Satan's influence on culture, here, here's kind of the, the bottom line of this first idea. Satan wants to get you to believe something about yourself that is not true. Culture, as it shifts farther away from God, and of course the people in culture don't realize this is happening because they're deceived. They don't realize it. But what happens is as, as culture gets farther and farther away from God and his truth, they will shift and begin to get you to believe something that's not true about yourself. Let me show you. Let's go to the four people, Daniel and the three others. Daniel, his name means God is my judge. Now look at the name they gave him. Belteshazzar, lady protect the king. They said, you're not a man, you're a girl. You have a different identity than you think you have. You need to believe something different about yourself. Let's go on and find another one. Hananiah, God has been gracious. Let's look and see now what the name they was given. Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. You know, what culture will do is not only will it tell you that you're not who you think you are, that you can be something different than, than God made you and, 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 and get you to believe something that's not true about yourself. Here's the second thing they'll say is, listen, you know the God that you say you trust in, the God that you say you, that loves you, you need to be afraid of him because he's mean. He doesn't want the best for you. He's a killjoy. You need to be afraid of him. Let's look at some more. The, the other names, Mishael, you know I love this. It's who is what God is. I love the confidence in that statement. Who compares to God? Look at the name that he was given. Look what culture tried to get him to believe. I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. That's what Meshach means. So now I'm going to begin to damage my self-image. I'm going to have a low self-esteem. Let's go on to the last name. Azariah is Yahweh has helped. But look at the name they gave. Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. In other words, you think you're supposed to serve God, but you need to serve other things than God. It's interesting because as we read through this list, here's what it tells us. It tells us that culture is trying to change your identity, trying to change what you think about yourself. With, with Daniel, here's basically what it says. It says, listen, you're not a boy, you're a girl. I mean, no, we're in a culture right now where everything's about transgender and you can choose to be what you want to be. And, and it's interesting, if you do a study right now and you were to go back to all the pagan cultures through history. Now, what is a pagan culture? A pagan culture, pagan is a culture that pushed God out and said, we don't want to follow God, believe in God, or follow the principles of God. Did you know that if you do a study through history, every pagan culture in history, all of them struggled with gender confusion? You know what? I did a little research and I discovered that 41, this is a study that was done, 41% of transgenders will attempt suicide. And I know that there are people that go, well, Pastor, that's obvious because they feel like an outcast and they feel different. Well, you know what John Hopkins, the, the, actually the president of John Hopkins, which is the number one most used, um, the expert place to go if you want a sexual uh, trans, you know, transformation. So they've done more transgender um, sexual transformations than any other institute. They're known as the expert. 
Did you know that when all of this kind of came to the forefront, he came out publicly and made this statement. He said, I feel like that our, our institution should stop giving sex trans- transfers because what we've discovered is over the years and years of doing them, when we've done research afterwards, we found that the people that were struggling mentally before they came in are struggling just as much or more than they were before they got the transgender. So we feel like we shouldn't do that anymore. Of course, he was blasted in the media and everybody came against him. Now listen, if you're here and you're struggling with your identity, I want you to know something. Here's the big point. Let God put the label on your life. Not your feeling, not what culture says, but God is the one who made you. The Bible says that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, you weren't an accident. God didn't make a mistake. He wasn't confused when he made you. He made you for a reason, with a purpose. And I want to tell you that when you begin to discover who you are, you see, culture will try to obliterate God's fingerprint of your life. Reminds me of a story of a man who came to a friend of mine's church um, years ago. And when he showed up, he was middle-aged, and he came in and met with the pastor. He said, Pastor, I feel like I'm supposed to be a woman. And I'm going to be, I'm scheduled to get a, a, a sex change. And, and so this pastor just loved on him and began to you know, share the gospel with him and talk with him. And this young man, this, this middle-aged man, he gave his life to Christ. So he decided to put the, the, the surgery on hold. And as he began to grow in his relationship with Christ and to discover that he was fearfully and wonderfully made, and suddenly he started thinking things differently. He started seeing things differently. And eventually he, he decided to not do the sex change after all. He began, company, began to find joy and peace instead of always feeling weird and strange. He started to find fulfillment because of Christ in his life. He ended up getting married. And he ended up um, going into political office and, and, and uh, went in. And, and all of these wonderful things happened. Purpose came in his life when he realized who God made him to be. And I would just say that when culture shifts, you have to know who you are and whose you are. But culture will say, you can't trust God. He, he doesn't love you. you. You can't trust his principles. No, here's what you need to know. When culture tries to change your identity, stand on a truth. And the truth is, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. And when I discover who I am in Jesus Christ, I'll find joy. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In his presence is fullness of joy. I promise you, you'll never have so much peace, so much joy, so much purpose as when you discover who you are. In Christ. Come on, somebody say, say, say amen. Now, let me stop and say this. Some of you are here and you're saying, well, pastor, I'm kind of, you know, people are telling me different. That's what my, my professors are saying at school. You know, this is what I've experienced. And we're going to do at the end of this series, a podcast called The Table. And at that podcast, we're going to field through the next several weeks, questions that people have. And on that podcast, you can go on and listen. And we're going to talk through because it's difficult in a setting like this for me to answer every question. So we're going to do some, a job to try to answer some of those questions. But I want to tell you, culture has an agenda. We see it in the... In, in fact, next week, we're going to dive into what we call the Babylon mentality. And we're going to talk about what that is and how culture is, culture is shifting. And when culture's agenda is to change your identity, we have to recognize who we are in Christ. Somebody shout amen to that. Here's the second thing that culture will try to do. You ready? Write this down. 
Culture will try to get you to compromise your standards. Culture will get you to compromise your standards. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. So after they renamed them, then the Bible says that they were to eat from the table of the king, right? Well, that was an issue for Daniel because eating from the table of the king meant that they were going to eat foods that were against the Jewish laws, the religious laws of the day. They weren't allowed to eat certain things. Secondly, the food offered at the king's table was food offered to idols, So they were eating food offered to idols. They were eating food they were not allowed to eat. So they were basically being asked to compromise their standards. But look at what Daniel did in the midst of a shifting culture. But Daniel was, what's the next word? Come on, y'all can do better than that. I want to hear it all the way in Latvia. Daniel was what? He was determined not to defile himself by eating the foods and, and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. You know, what's interesting, I love, first of all, is that Daniel, he asked. He didn't point his finger. We'll get into this in a minute, but he he didn't judge somebody else. Here's what he decided. He said, I'm going to set a higher standard for myself. And I think that's part of the message that we're going to learn as we are walking through a shifting culture is that we're not just to point our finger at others and say, look where you are. We're to say instead, I'm going to set a higher standard. You know, in my own life personally, I've set a higher standard in one area. One of those areas is alcohol. Now, we can talk about alcohol. We could talk about it through the Bible, and there's varying degrees of belief, but I personally have made the decision I don't drink, not even casually I have tried a few things, tasted them, but I don't drink. Why? Because there's a lot of people that come through these doors that struggle with alcohol. And if they saw me pounding back beers, you know what the Bible says? That as a teacher, there's more expectation on you than on those who are are, are listening to the teacher. And it says that worse uh, is the punishment on the one who makes someone who is weaker to stumble. So for me, I've made the decision. I've set a higher standard. I don't drink. It's not because I'm saying you're a sinner if you do. I'm saying that I'm not going to do it because I don't want to put myself in a position where someone that is struggling, now I've given them license to fall into an area that will gobble them up and keep them bound. Because I just decided to set a higher standard for myself. And that's what happened with Daniel. He set a higher standard. You see, culture will put pressure on you to cave in your convictions. You know what he could have said? And this is, this is the voice of culture. I believe this is the voice of the enemy. We see it all the way back in the garden, and it's simply this. Well, Daniel, it's, it's just food. I mean, it's just food. He could have told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guys... Listen, it's just food. God won't care. I mean, we're in another country already anyway. It's not a big deal. It's just food. And let me just tell you, what happens is the devil starts to slip that in. Culture starts to slip that in. And the next thing you know, you're saying things like, it's just flirting. It's just for recreational use. Everybody voted it legal. It's just just recreational. That one always gets a lot of noise whenever I say that one. I'm just venting. I know it's gossip, but I'm just venting. These people are like my friends. We could keep going, right? 
And what happens is, is we end up compromising the standards of God's truth. Let me ask the question. How many of you like frog legs? Some of you are like, whoa, that was out of the blue. Where did that come from? Do you like frog legs? Okay, so if you haven't tried them, don't. No, just kidding. <laughs> I think I've tried them before. But here's what's interesting. Now, this sounds a little gross, but just bear with me. If you take a frog and you throw it into a pot of boiling water, the frog will jump out. But if you put a frog in a pot of warm water, it'll sit there. And if you slowly turn up the heat every 30 seconds or a minute, it's the jacuzzi effect. Get your shorts, little froggy. Just come on, get in. You start turning up the heat, and before long, you got frog legs. It's just me. Nobody will know what I'm watching. It doesn't hurt anyone. And before long, it's just has become the rationalization to compromise our convictions. It's just food. It won't hurt. It's just, and what ends up happening is rather than standing on our convictions, before long, we're far away from where God intended us to be. We're doing things we thought we would never do. We're saying things we thought we would never say. We're involved in actions we never would do in the past. Why? Because culture has an agenda, and it's to change your identity, and it's to compromise your convictions. Come on, somebody with me say amen. So how did, how did Daniel respond? Here's how Daniel responded. The Bible says that he determined in his heart. I love the word determine. The word determine there, here's what it means in the Hebrew. It means to propose, to purpose beforehand. In other words, he made a pre-decision. And I want to tell you, when it comes to culture, you've got to live a life where you've already made a predecision. Because if you wait till you get in the moment, if you wait till you get in the argument when everyone around you is telling you something else, if you're not careful, you'll start to say, it's just, it's just. Because if you haven't predecided, you won't be determined. And if you're not determined, you'll go with culture rather than standing strong. And I, I never forget when I was in high school, I'd moved to a new city and kind of had this moment where I was in a large school and I was on the basketball team. I was sixth man on the team. So I'd come in. I wasn't a starter. And uh, at the time, I lacked a little bit of confidence. I was a, a freshman. Well, we moved to a smaller school, um, about half the size. I think the school was uh, 3,000. We went to a school of 1,500. And so I showed up and they had basketball. It was the beginning of basketball season. So I went to practice. Um, the next day they had a game and the team wasn't, they didn't have a lot of talent and so they threw me in the game right away and because nobody was scoring, I decided I would and suddenly I scored 21 points my first game and I was like the big man on campus. I was the blue chipper from the big school that had come to the smaller school and was going to be the savior for the season. And the next game, same thing happened. I scored 25 points the next game. And suddenly, all of these people were wanting to be my friends. And I was kind of in this new setting. Before, I was just a guy. Now, I was like, everybody wanted to be my friend. All the popular kids wanted to be my friend. All the cheerleaders wanted to be my friend. And I was like, wow, this is what's going on. This is amazing. And at that time, those things mattered. 
So when you're that age, sometimes that, that's what matters. How many know when you get a little older, things don't matter quite as much? Okay, so stop judging me. Okay, so yeah. Just throwing that out there. We'll talk about that in the next point. So after the, the next game, the most popular kid on campus after the game said, hey, dude, you want to ride home? I'm like, sure, sweet, thanks. We jump in the car, and as we're driving to my house, he pulls off into a vineyard. He says, hey, bro, you want to have some fun before we get home? And he opens up his glove box and pulls out some recreational <laughs> excitement. <laughs> or maybe he had some pain he needed to take care of. I don't know. And so he looked at me and he said, hey, bro, you want to have some fun? And he hands it to me. Now, I'll be honest with you. At that moment, I was feeling the pressure. And here's the pressure I felt. Well, wait a minute. What if I say no? And then he goes back and tells everybody that I'm this fuddy-duddy Christian. And now all the people that wanted to be my friends, I become the outcast. Now I'm the new cool kid in the school that everybody makes fun of. And I just made friends. And I'm a brand new school. And man, I'm telling you, I felt the pressure. But I'm so glad that I'd listen to Nancy Reagan. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'd made a predetermination. I'd made a predecision. My parents had taught me that, listen, this may be fun or this may be what everybody thinks is cool, but drugs will mess you up. It'll destroy your life. And so I'd made a predecision and I said, bro, you know, thanks, but I know you're just trying to have a good time, but I don't do drugs. It's not for me. It's not my thing. He goes, well, I got some beers in the car. Let's pull them out of the trunk. You want, you want a beer? And I'm like, no, dude, I don't drink either. He's like, well, what about the ladies? And I'm like, no, actually, you know what? I'm a Christian. I, I want to wait until I get married to have sex. He's like, what? What you talking about, Willis? Come on, you know, one of those moments. And you know what? He looked at me, and I had this moment of like, oh, dear God, I just blew everything. No one's going to like me anymore. And suddenly he looks at me, and he's like, you know, cool, man. Whatever. Different strokes for different folks. <laughs> and you know what? The next day I showed up to school, scared to death. That was going to be the talk of school, and I was. But nobody quit being my friend. In fact, people started watching me, and I realized I had an opportunity now. And the point I want to make is that in life, you're going to end up in cars on the side of the road. You're going to end up in those situations where culture is going to be pressuring you. And the question is, have you predetermined, have you determined in your heart that you're going to live your life on the truth of God's word? Because I'm telling you something, God is for you. He's not against you. And when he gives you principles to live by, it's not that he wants to kill your fun. He's not a killjoy. It's not that he's trying to mess up your life so that you can't enjoy it. Listen, he said, I came to give you life so that you could live it to the fullness. And he knows when he gives you a, a boundary, it's to help you, not to hurt you. Come on, somebody say amen. So when culture shifts, you have to determine. I'm not going to let my comp my convictions be compromised. And I'm not going to let them change what I believe about myself and know about myself because I am a son and daughter of the king. 
Culture will try to change your identity. Culture will try to compromise your convictions. And here's the third one. Culture will try to confront you through testing. And guys, can you get that changed? I asked you last service. I want to actually for it to say this, to test your commitment. Culture will test your commitment. I just, I just gave you an example of that, but let's, let's go to Daniel, and I'll show you some more. Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Can I stop right there and say I love this part of the story? Because here's the thing. A lot of us think that when we stand for God's truth, that people are going to think we're weird, fanatics, goofballs, right? But you know what? I believe, honestly, that you and I can find a place where we can love people and love God in such a way that they don't look down at us, they'll look up to us. That people respect the way you live, respect the way you, you treat your family, respect the decisions you make. And that's what happens here. But he responded, I'm afraid of the Lord the King who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If I let you not eat the food and wine that's supposed to happen, here's what happened. He said, um, if you become pale and thin compared to the other young men your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Because I'm supposed to indoctrinate you into the culture. If I let you slide, so I'm scared. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel. Guys, if you pull that next slide up. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So he sat and he talked. And here's what I love about that too. He talked to the people around him and said, guys, we're going to stand. We're going to stand strong. That's why you need to be in a circle. That's why you need to have a small group that you're connected to here at Higher Vision Church. Why? Because there are going to come moments where you need your Meshachs and Abednegoes, your Azariahs and your Mishaels and your Hananiahs to look at you and say, hey, you can do this. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to be like that. So he talks to them and he says, we're going to stand strong. And then here's what he does. He goes back to, to Ashpenaz and he says, please, what's the next word? Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Let me stop right there. That's where we get the Daniel fast. Some of you have heard of the Daniel fast. People that want to fast, they, they may not do a full, you know, no food fast. Instead, they'll do vegetables and water. He says, test us for 10 days, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decisions in the light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestions and tested them for 10 days. Let me tell you something. The third thing you need to know about culture is culture will test your commitment. And if you look at the story of Daniel, it didn't stop here. What happened was is that they were tested again. He got thrown in the lion's den. They were tested again. They went through the fiery furnace. Your faith will be tested. Come on, somebody say amen to that. But first of all, I just want to point out, I love his... His idea. I love the way he responded. He didn't judge them. He didn't say, I'm better than you. He was respectful and he asked. Which really throws us into how do we deal with this situation when we're tested? Because it's important to understand that we will be tested. Here's the problem most Christians fall into two extremes. Here's the first extreme. It's what I would call the angry Christian. How many have ever met the angry Christian? If you haven't met them, you've probably read their posts on social media. <laughs> the angry Christian, and they're quick to judge others and to point.
point their finger at somebody and say, you're a sinner, and, and they talk, a, they're dogmatic, and here's their mentality, you're wrong and I'm right. Can I just make a point? Just an observation. Sometimes you can be wrong, but not, I mean, you can say this way. Sometimes you can be right, but not helpful. And so a lot of people fall into the angry Christian mentality where they're quick to point out everybody's problems. They, they what, we, what we would call the right-wing evangel, evangelicals. That's what the media is painted. That's what culture is painted. But then here's the thing. Not only do you have this extreme, here's what I find dangerous as well, just as dangerous. It's the one I would call the appeasing Christian. You got the angry Christian and you've got the appeasing Christian. Here's what the appeasing Christian does. The appeasing Christian says this. They're like, well, man, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want anyone to feel bad because I, I believe God's word and I believe that's a sin or whatever. But so instead, I'm just going to love everybody and I'm going to realize that God loves and he's a God of grace. And what they don't realize is what they then end up doing is empowering people in their lifestyle of sin because here's what they basically say. You can do whatever you want because God is a God of grace and grace covers all sin. Can I stop? I'm going to make a statement right now and I want you to hear me. If there's one thing you walk out of here, you need to hear this. If you believe that grace covers all sin, the devil has deceived you and he has lied to you because that's not what the Bible teaches. Here's what the Bible teaches. Grace doesn't cover all sin. Grace covers repented sin. Good preaching, Pastor Jared. You see, what you have to determine in your heart right now is simply this. Is God God? Because if God is God, he is the only one who has the right and the authority to determine what is right and what is wrong. Amen. And we're going to learn next week as we talk about the Babylon mentality, it's easy for us to try to become God. It happened in the garden. And because of our nature to want to help people and love people, we think that by, by letting people do whatever they want is loving people. How many know if you have kids, if you let your kids do whatever they want, you're really not loving them? If they want to run into the street and a car's coming, I don't want to stop them. If that's what they want to do, go on. How many know that's not love? God is a God of love, and he's a God of grace. The problem is, is that we either are the angry Christian or the appeasing Christian. And so how do we as a culture find the balance? I believe when this series is over that you and I can find the middle ground. You see, Daniel did that. Daniel stood. He raised a higher standard for himself. He lived it out in front of people and he influenced his culture. He changed his culture. And let me tell you something. He wasn't a part of the culture. He was an alien. Guess what? You and I are not a part of the culture. We're citizens of heaven. And we've been sent into a culture to influence our culture, not be shifted into the beliefs of this culture. So how do we find that middle ground of influence? Can I tell you, not only did Daniel do it, Jesus did it. Can I show you? In fact, this is who Jesus is. A lot of people think, well, Jesus was love. Turn the other cheek. Do you know that Jesus said that if you don't follow me and give up your mother and father, you're not worthy of me? 
So let's, let's look at Jesus real quick. Watch this. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what the Bible tells us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let me stop right there. What that means is that Jesus Christ is the Bible. He's the word. Old and New Testament. So when you read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament, you're reading Jesus. So when people come along and say, I love God and I like that part of the Bible, but I don't agree with that part, I'm going to throw that part out. You're realizing who you're throwing out. Because Jesus is the word. You either take all of him or you take none of him. But I struggle with that. How do I, how do I, we'll talk about that more. Jesus is the word, Old and New Testament. Look what he said. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one, um, the one and only son who came from the father. So he came from the father so we could behold his glory. He could be an example. And now watch what his example was. He was full of, what's the first word? Grace. And full of what? He was full of what? And how do you stand in the balance? You have to be people of grace while speaking the truth. Here's the problem. When you're one or the other, here's what it is. Look at this quote. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. Can I say it again? Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. God wants us to find the middle. When culture is shifting, how do you stand true? You know, what's amazing is Jesus modeled this to us. Remember the story of the woman who got caught in in adultery? They throw him before Jesus. And everybody says, what are you going to tell her, Jesus? What are you going to tell her? And all the angry Christians are waiting for him to go, go ahead, tell her that you're going to get stoned because you committed adultery. By the way, that word stoned means something different than some of you think. It gets a laugh every time. I'm amazed by that. They're going to kill her with stones. That's what the law says. That's what truth says. And what I love is that Jesus doesn't respond right away. Can I tell you, instead he he kneels down and starts drawing in the sand. Can I just say there's something to be said for that story that some of us are too quick to respond. What does the Bible say? Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak. A lot of us would do a better job of responding to our culture if we wouldn't be so quick to get on social media and blast somebody. We'd do better if we'd stop and listen Think about a response. Some theologians believe that he was writing the names of the men who had had affairs and the, the women's name. And so he makes this statement. He said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. Slowly they drop the rocks. That's a good message for us. Drop the rock. You may know someone we need to just drop some rocks. We need to drop it. We need to let it go. Then the Bible says that as they leave, he says, woman, where are your accusers? She goes, I don't have any. He goes, well, then neither do I accuse you. Your sins are forgiven. 
grace. But then he says, now go and sin no more. Truth. Grace and truth. Because truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going a couple minutes long, but I want to just say this. If you're here and you're at a place in your life, maybe you're struggling with your identity, your gender. Maybe you're here struggling with your orientation sexually. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with areas of compromise in your life that you, in the past you know it's something you're not supposed to be doing. I want you to know something. We want you to come. We're glad you're here. We accept you here at Higher Vision. How many know there's a difference between acceptance and approval? And what I want you to know is that you're accepted because if we accept you, we know that we can build relationship with you. And as we build relationship, you can hear our heart. You can, like Daniel, with the people that are there, you have relationship. And when you have relationship, now there's this ability to talk and communicate. And, and also, by being here, you know, so many times in church, I'm just going to get on my soapbox for a minute, okay? Some of you, what is a soapbox? Or people would get up on old boxes of soap and they would preach or they would give their political opinion. I'm going to get up on my soapbox and talk about something for a minute. In the church, we've been terrible at this. And we've been the angry church, the angry Christians. And with a lot of areas of sin, how many know that there's lots of areas we can sin? So with a lot of, in most areas of sin, we say, come and let God work on you and love you and transform you. But certain ones that are the really bad ones, we say, change and then come. And here at Higher Vision, we're trying to find the balance of saying, come. We accept you, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, because we love you. And we hope that by being in this setting where there's the presence of God and the truth is shared with grace, that God will begin to work and transform your heart. Because I've never been able to change someone through a debate. I've never been able to change someone through an argument. The only way that transformation happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're going through the process, you're figuring things out, you are welcome here. Please hear my heart today. Now, be honest with you, there are times where I struggle sharing messages like this because I'm afraid people will put up walls and walk away and think that we're here to judge. I'm not here to judge you. There's only one judge, judge. But here's the problem. The devil will try to make you think that you're the one capable of making the decision of what is right and wrong. And when you do that, God has now become on your level and you've moved into his position. And that's the biggest sin of all. That's why the Bible says we have to humble ourselves. We have to confess our sin. All sin, grace doesn't cover all sin. Grace covers repented sin. So if you're here today and you want to be forgiven of your sins, guess what? All you have to do is confess and repent. And he will forgive you and he'll help you and teach you. I had a Someone come to me that's um, in the last service that's involved in a lifestyle that is against the truth of God's word. And I got to tell you, this generation is growing up and they're growing up in this culture where everyone is around them yelling at them. And you'll, you'll hear next week as we talk about the Babylon mentality through intimidation and anger, they, they try to get you to believe and, and start going, okay, I understand the pressure 
want you to know, hopefully if you're young and you're feeling that pressure, you don't have to shift. You can stand on the truth of God's word and yet you can do it with integrity and grace and truth and love and you can have influence. So I want you to close your eyes.